It's been said that nothing is more financially educational and entertaining than the total financial hour, except possibly two total financial hours. <gasps> you don't mean? Yep. The Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby is now two hours, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Oh my gosh! Great Scott! Learn about your financial power. The Total Financial Hour, uh, two hours with host Arif Halaby, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies strategies using insurance and annuity products which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company financial security will help you live the life you dream learn about financial power the total financial hour now higher income strategy learn from arab halabi learn about Listening to you every week at this time, uh, tell us stories. And one of the things that I really appreciate as we go through this is that your ability to communicate back to us. And that's what the emails are all about. So do me a favor, write this down. Tell me when you're ready. It's going to be Arif at tfswealth.com. Arif at tf at tfswealth.com. We'll do it right here. A-R-I-F at T-F. That's uh, F as in Frank. S is in Sam, wealth.com. Okay. I, I like this because at the uh, top of the next hour, we're going to be sharing some of your emails. And a couple of them are quite interesting that I received in the last few weeks. And as I always mention to you, I, I received the emails and I like the idea of being able to um, you know, kind of put them together. If I start to see a trend, if it is just you, I'll answer it directly. In other words, if you're the only one having the problem. But if I start to see trends, I don't want you to feel alone because so many of you will send us emails about something that you think is just you or your problem or your situation. It's not the case, right? That's a big deal. When we go through this and you start to see over and over and over again, from my position rather, people having the same issue, I go, mm, there's something to this, right? There's a one-off thing that happens now and again, where in the financial world, you will, I don't want to say fall victim or fall prey, but what's a better word that you will buy into the ideas that a financial professional has to have minimums, meaning you're not that important. If you don't have a $500,000, if you have 500,000 or more for your retirement, please give me a call. What a mess. Even when I was broke, even when I was a new financial professional, financial advisor, I even I said, no, I wasn't going to do that. That's 30 years ago. I said, how rude is that? Because a guy by the name of Steve Williams, common enough name, you're never going to find him probably, but he worked for a financial company and, and just as a favor, I'm sure, because his, uh, one of his better clients was a friend of ours. And as a favor, he met with me. I was 18 years old. 
It's 40 years ago. And I started as a fight, just as a client. And he took me. Why? Because he, he said, look, Eric, I need $500 minimum and $50 a month. I didn't have $500. I had like 380 in my checking account because I was going to school full-time, working part-time, and I had a girlfriend. <laughs> All that means very little money in your pocket. And so I saved. It took me months, two, three, four months saved, sent back in the forms. I'm sure he, he, he received them and said, what's this? Oh, God, who's this guy again? Oh, okay, yeah, all right, we'll open an account. Sure enough. And they started taking auto withdrawal, $50 every month, two different accounts. My point is, somebody did that for me, and look at where it got us, our family, you. So I don't like it when they're financial advisor. You know, if you have 250, if you did all the hard work and got a quarter of a million dollars, I will take it from here. Well, it doesn't sound very nice. It doesn't even sound right. It doesn't even sound ethical. I, I don't know. Pick a word. Oh, oh, it's great business sense. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, because it's about them, isn't it? Right? Their fees. What are their fees? Well, look, their fees are based on how much money they have, not how much they make you. Right? You walk through life, you understand that they don't have to actually do something well. They don't have to actually perform. They just have to be. And that's what I'm not a fan of. I don't like that system. I get it. There's a whole business channel or channels, right? The Bloombergs and the CNBCs and... and uh, Fox business, I, I get it. They're all built on that. They're built on the model of just taking your money and holding it and trying to invest it and, and doing their best in some cases and wanting to make a lot of money. But I don't understand why in the end of the story, if they lost your money, they still have the, the gall to charge you a fee. That just is weird to me. You wouldn't do it at a, at a uh, you know, mechanic shop. Hey, listen, we've, we've got your car. We've kept it in bay number two for three days. And so come by and pick it up. You're like, oh, great. So you go, the mechanic lowers it down from the, from the, the, the hoist, backs it out. You get in, you start your car. You're like, this is, but hey, it's still making that same noise. Oh, I know, but, but uh, you did pay us, right? Yeah. Well, that was just to hold your car. That wasn't to fix your car. You said, but I want to fix my car. Well, we have no guarantee we're going to fix your car. You said, but I brought it to you. You guys say mechanic shop. Oh, Eric, that's different. It's different. Oh, it's always different because you want it to, to be in your story. So anyway, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan when any financial company has a minimum of, listen, there are minimums. I get it. Companies won't accept a new account if it's not 5000 or 20000 I get it. But this $250,000, $500,000, so you can feel part of an exclusive club or so they can work less to still make the same amount of money? Or is it that sometimes the financial professional didn't manage their own money well? There are studies out there. The number one group that files bankruptcy has financial problems, healthcare professionals. That's doctors, folks. That's doctors as well as others, but doctors. Second number group of financial advisors. What? How is it that financial professionals can also be one of the top groups that file bankruptcy? Because they have a skill. So just my, my point is, if you're going to buy something, make sure you receive it.
If you're okay with just parking your car in the mechanics bay number two for three days, fine. That's what you do. You rented space. You paid for it. You got it. What I want you to do is make sure you're not falling for that. And this, the second thing is I'm starting to see these books pop up again. We used to see that maybe 20 years ago where, uh, who was it? Was it Steve Forbes? And then there was, um, a few guys out there. I forget. You would co-author. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'll, t- I'll think of it in just a second. You'd co-author a book with them. I-, I would get things in the mail. I would say, hey, do you want to co-author a book with me? And as long as you write the first page and the last page, or maybe one chapter, then we can call you a co-author. You're like, oh. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then we'll print them. We'll put your name on it. And even though it says a Steve Forbes or Joe Blow or, 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 you know, another financial professional whose name is well known, we'll let you co-author it. So that's all we did, right? We would get these things in the mail and financial advisors. We considered it. I tell you what, I had a, a meeting with some of my advisory board agents. It's probably 20 years ago. And we sat down and we said, should we do this? I was back and forth thinking about it. Maybe, maybe not. And one of the persons in our, uh, in our team said, Hey, Eric, we stand up and tell people that we have integrity. I said, yeah, 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 we do. That we're, we're truthful. I said, yes, we are. Why would we author a book where the perception is not the reality? Where we're going to tell people we, wrote a book, but in fact, we didn't. And it's got a bunch of these books and, oh, you know, the top 20 things that Americans do to... Now, listen, there are some financial professionals who legitimately write a book. More power to them. It takes a lot of time, a lot of skill, and sometimes a lot of money to self-publish a book. I get it. My point is these co-authored books, I'm not a fan of those because it's just more smoke and mirrors kind of really didn't write it, but I did, but I didn't, but I wrote page one. I wrote the forward, but somebody else wrote the rest of it. And you're like, uh, it's kind of, kind of a little weird. If it's a legitimate co-authored book, got it. Dennis and I are working on one right now. Got it. But I, I as I'm researching these things, I'm finding that people just write one page and call it a co-author. I don't know about that. Uh, award-winning. No, no, not you. The 75 other financial professionals on the West Coast have the same book. Okay, just my thoughts. All right. Hey, I wanted to touch on a couple things with you as things are changing. Credit card debt. Have you seen this? The end of last year, we're starting to see record defaults still continuing now through 2024. Let's figure this out here. Oh, Credit card debt is now $1.2 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars. Now, here's what's interesting. In the, in the COVID era, credit card debt actually dipped quite a bit, by a lot, by the way. Entering into COVID, we had high credit card debt. By the time we finished the lockdowns, we lost, I don't know, maybe 20% of the credit card debt was being paid off. That's a good thing. And then just towards the end of 2021, and we started to begin 2022, credit card debt started popping up again. And why does this matter to you? Because the default rates today are at record highs. 
And we're starting to see that when the government pumped money into the system, many of you, many people did pay off some of their credit card debt. I like that. I mean, I guess if you have to have some idea, the using somebody else's money, meaning taxpayer money, for you to pay off your credit card debt, right? Your neighbor worked hard, made more than you did, put money into taxes. You get the tax break. He or she doesn't. You get the money. He has to pay taxes. You receive the money and use it to pay your credit card debt. And whatever that thing you bought from Amazon or from on your visa payment, that, that neighbor, he doesn't, get, he doesn't get to play with that. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get to wear it, whatever they're doing. So the government gave you money to pay off credit card debt that came from somebody else. Well, if that's the way taxes work. No, no, no. Stop being cynical. Think about this for a second. When the lockdowns ended, you see, the other part of this that's pretty scary to me, and I'll tell you why it's so scary, is that student loan debt themselves, when they, quote, paused student loans, people knew they were going to come back again. You knew it. I knew it. Everybody knew it. It was, it was just a delay. That's what they told us. It's a delay. Now, there was talk later on about them forgiving it or forgiving certain percentages, but 40% of all student loan borrowers missed their first payment after COVID, and they were paused for nearly three years. So just do the math. Okay, your payments were 500 a month. That's 6,000 a year times three years. That's $18,000. When the government says, and start paying it again, you should have $18,000 sitting in a bank account somewhere ready to write a check. You could have paid off some of your student loans, some of you. Certainly you could have put a big chunk down on it. But that $18,000 that you were supposed to have had saved up, you just spent it on other things. Eric, I got laid off. Okay, why is it there were help wanted signs everywhere? Oh, Eric, you don't understand. No, I understand perfectly well. I worked three jobs, one full-time and two part-time. Why? Today people say, oh, Eric, your life is so, you're, you're so lucky. I'm like, oh, yeah. I didn't feel lucky when I was sleeping in my pickup truck. It wasn't an extra cab, by the way. I mean, it was a slightly, that little, little extra, right about a foot with those fold-down bench seats. That was as extra cab as we got back then, so I couldn't lay my seat all the way back. But that's where I would sleep, in mall parking lots, between security jobs as a policeman. I would listen to the radio I'd, and learn about the news of the day, and then I would, right? So we didn't have cell phones, and if we did, you know, they were a dollar a minute. Remember that? Two dollars a minute? And only on the highways, really. You couldn't... You didn't have coverage very far. Basically, it was a rich man's thing. Oh, Eric, you're so lucky. Well, listen, I always studied. I had a book with me. If I was sitting in a doctor's office and they're always notoriously late, guess what I did? I read a book. Today, you guys scroll on your phones. Listen, put your books on your phones. I'm all right if you're going to read your phone, but read a book. You should always be reading two books. One that's going to make you better Right? As a person, as a father, husband, mother, son, daughter, Christian, Muslim, whatever you are. And one that's going to make you better in your career field. You see so many people at 501, 
As soon as you're done with work, you forget about work. You need to get better. And it's not just during nine to five. You have to read books, maybe take courses, maybe go online. Today, you can find anything about anything on your computer. Oh, Eric, if I have kids and and, and uh, soccer practice and I'm the coach and I'm the team mom and I'm the you know math dad, it's, I, I get it. Then you can never complain about not receiving a pay raise because you're not better. Listen, I know it's not comfortable, but just because the clock ticks and you sit in a chair in that corner office, it doesn't mean you deserve more money. You're doing the same thing you did last year. Why should you get a pay raise? Oh, because of inflation. Well, did the company make more money? If they did, then okay, they should share. I'm, I'm agreement, in agreement. But if you just existed, just sat there, just did the same job you did last year, flipped the same amount of hamburgers you did last year, pushed the same amount of paper, right? What, what changed? What made you better, different, stronger, faster, smarter, whatever? And if the answer is nothing because, quote, you were busy, then don't be surprised if financially your life is exactly the same place. You don't deserve just because you exist. That's the biggest challenge. You already won the lotto by being in this country. I just want you to know that. Travel for 10 minutes. I don't care. Go to Mexico. You don't have to go very far. Travel for, for just a, a week somewhere. Goodness, today you can watch these documentaries in these shanty towns in Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka. Go over to Africa. Look at Soweto in South Africa where that place is a mess. That's a a failed state waiting to collapse, South Africa. Take a look at how many, most, maybe even a huge majority of the people that live, beautiful places like Jamaica, beautiful. What a mess. And then you come back and you want to complain that, you know, the D-I-E-E-I-X-Y-Z, it's not fair. I need racial justice. You're like, are you, are you, are you kidding me? We elect a black appearing president, not once, but twice. And you still think people in Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, they're flyover states. You still think they're all a bunch of racist? Okay. I'm, if that's your... Go live in one of those places. You see, it has nothing to do with race. We proved it. It's over. We proved it as a nation. The reason they're bringing it back up is simple. Because it's about economics. You see, nobody taught you to save the money that you were supposed to be spending on things like your credit card debt or COVID payments or car payments or house payments or rent when, quote, it was delayed Right? You should have known better. You should have known to go work in two and three, four jobs. You should have known to use the time when you were being paid to stay home to go back to online school so you can get your nursing degree of X, financial degree of Y, whatever. But you see, why didn't they do it? Because they wanted you distracted with race. It's all about race. What do you look like? That's why they still keep calling Barack Obama the first black president. It's actually quite humorous. He's as, he's as white as I am. I want you to know that. He is as pure white as Arif Halaby. That's it. Period. Done. My mom is a, <laughs> is a white lady from Michigan. 
His mom was a white lady, I think from Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere, I think Midwest and then Hawaii. That's it. What's the difference? We overcame it. Oh, but did you not see that one incident? Okay, yes, of course there's a one incident. But if you're not going to get financially on track and you're going to run around and play this race game, then guess what's going to keep happening to your pension? It's going to be underfunded. What, what do you think is going to happen to Social Security? Not enough money. Or your student loan debt. Oh, we want it. Give it to me. Everybody but white kids should have a pay uh, payday. Everybody but white kids should should have... What? Did you ever hear yourself what, you, what you're espousing? When did you become that racist? Everybody but white kids. Oh, every commercial needs to have a biracial kid. A man and a woman, one one race and one the other. We need to rework Pirates of the Caribbean. We need to rework James Bond. We need to put a black female, uh, male uh, Asian. We need, we need to, everybody needs to be different. It's all about create. Let's destroy what used to be Pirates of the Caribbean. One of my least favorite shows I ever watched the first 15 minutes. Not a fan. Just so you know, I didn't like the creepiness. But I will tell you, Johnny Depp was a pretty darn good actor. Won a lot of awards. I saw a lot of snippets of it, but just not my thing. And now they're replacing him with a black female. James Bond, the same thing. If I was a black female, I would be so ticked off. I would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean to tell me you can't create another character that's the same or better than James Bond for me? You mean you can't create another story that's better than Pirates of the Caribbean that's a spinoff? Or that's the Little Mermaid, you have to change the race, the hair color, so that, quote, you don't... We are that shallow as black females? That's what, that's what I would be saying. We are that shallow as black females or as black Americans? That you, by flipping a baby tiny switch, symbolism over substance, remember that? Symbolism over substance. It's the left's mantra, because truth is not a value, as Dennis says. You mean to tell me that if you just change a character in a Disney show that the financial inequalities are going to come back to reality? Well, if it's a start, we are starting. No, you are distracting. It sounds like starting, but it's completely different. You are distracting. You are keeping people pissed off at each other. If I can get you angry at me and me angry at you for something you can't control nor I can control. I can't control I'm a male. I can't control how tall I am. I can't control who my parents are. But I can control my character, my daily decisions. And wait, hold on to it. I know this is rocking you. You're gonna, I know some of you had to pull over. Here it is. Ready? You can control how you spend money. That's, you mean it's not about my race? No. You can control what you call necessities, right? It's necessary. You don't understand. I have to spend $30 for breakfast every week, every month, every day. I have to. Or you can buy dozens of eggs and make your own breakfast. Oh, you don't understand. The coffee, we all stand in line and it's just, it's part of it. You don't... Or you can buy your own coffee and make your own little machine 
right? Build your own little thing. 10 different lattes. I mean, you could have your own, your own coffee machine at your house that does whatever you want. No, 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 no. You don't understand, Eric. You have choices. And right now, so many of us have fallen into this. Oh, it's about a male. Now it's transgender. And I told you, I told you two years ago, I've been doing this show, I don't know what, 20 years now? January, uh, about, about a month ago, was 20 years. I told you way back when, racist was the new thing and they were going after, right? It was bigot for a while. Bigot, bigot, bigot. That's a bigot. But most people really didn't understand that because Hollywood really didn't bite onto that bigot word. They didn't follow it. They didn't get into it. They didn't dig deep and shame you enough. But racist, ooh, buddy. They've been riding that horse for a while. I told you it was getting old. Told you it was, what's the next one? I, I said, I don't know. What is the next one? We were all thinking about it. Some of you sent emails. You had ideas. What's the next one? What's going to be the next I think I found it. Sex trafficker. Sex, that's the next one. Sex trafficker. They take something so disgusting as sex trafficker, and now they're just branding. Everybody's a child trafficking, sex trafficking, because they're covering up all the crimes of Mayorkas and Biden administration and what's happening over the border. I, I don't know if you could be a, a Democrat today and still vote for Biden and his team. I, I don't know. If you, if you do, you're either ignorant or so blinded by labels that truth doesn't matter. And listen, that's a big part of the Democrat Party. They do it. They're already that way because they're hate for Donald Trump. Right? The one thing Donald Trump did is he showed financial success could equal political success. Financial success could equal national success. And the Democrat Party has spent so long making it about race that they missed the financial conversation altogether. And Donald Trump put it in their face that it was about financial equality, financial opportunity, equal opportunity in the financial space. You stay with me after the break. We're going to talk about your financial conversations. What is it that we're missing? How can we take that next step now that we know that student loan defaults, credit card defaults, car loan defaults, and by the way, spoiler alert, home mortgages are running the problem. Stay with me after the break. Arif Halby, 888-99-RETIRE. Be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Hey, welcome back to the show. 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847-888-99-RETIRE. I was talking about on the last uh, half hour of the show some of the, the, the distractions, if you will, that's taking place where they want you to worry about race. Right When we solve that problem, when you started seeing more and more people have the ability the freedom to make choices, to go into careers. Of course, there are individuals and companies that have biases, but it's a double-edged sword, right? If you're going to be that company or that person or that news reporting agency that talks about a, a white police officer shooting a black 
unarmed suspect or even an armed suspect, then you need to talk about that 60, 80%, depending on where you look, even close to 90% of these smash and grab robberies that are happening in these communities are happening by black kids. Why, why would you not, that white children are being beat up? That what is it on, on the WNBA or is it the college basketball court? The amount of egregious fouls are happening on black, from black women onto white women in the sport. Right? If you're not going to talk about very, very small percentage of the overall population, of course, but if you're going to use race, if you're going to go down that road, then you have to start cataloging the criminal aspect. Right in the mid-90s, when I worked for the police department, I was part of LAPD, I worked in the personnel division, we had statistics. So as a police officer, I, it was my observations, but they were pretty much anecdotal. It was what you saw on the street. But then working on the inside, part of personnel division, you would see statistics, and we would see 70%, I think it was 72%, of part one crimes, which is rape, robbery, murder, assault with a deadly weapon, and then the attempts, attempt robbery, attempt murder, attempt. Might, I might be missing one. It's been many years, you can imagine. But 72% of the, those crimes that were committed where the suspect was known, right, where you could, where they, sometimes you didn't know who, who shot and killed somebody. Sometimes you didn't know who, who beat you up or whatever. But where the suspect was known, 72% of the time, it was a male black between certain ages, if I, uh, maybe 15 to 25 years of age, something like that. My point is, if you're going to run around and say this, this, then you have to be intellectually honest and talk about that. Now, is that fair? I hate the F word. That's the F word, by the way. Is it right? Let's use that word. It's only right if they're going to play that game. But it is not right as a statistic that makes a difference in humanity because it's such a small percent. Oh, we don't want to make it look like all. That's why they, they <laughs> have you ever seen uh, a girl was beat up and raped. Uh, it was a male uh, wearing a blue shirt. So if you know anything about the crime, please report it back to us. You're like, what do you mean a male wearing a blue shirt? The newscasters know exactly because the police have a report. Now, if they don't, they don't. But if they have a report, male white this tall, male black this short, whatever. But watch some of the news broadcasts when they're intellectually dishonest. Every once in a while, if they have a picture, right, if, they, if they're going to be late to the story, they'll publish a picture. Is somebody going to start keeping track that 13% of L.A. County's population, Southern California, whatever the number, 13 14%, are the entire black community. And 70% of the crime are committed by the same small group. Why, why would... Either you're going to do it or you're not. You want to... Let's go and talk about... Jobs are not given to, to men or women with, with African-sounding names. I think that's not right. We should say, stand up and fight that and say, listen, how about their, their, their uh, qualifications? Let me see what they're, oh, okay, then they should receive the job or at least a good shot at it. If you want to talk about that side of the equation, you have to talk about the other side. But you see, they don't want to because the more discourse the Democrats can create and make it about race, because remember, there's nothing you can do about race. You can't 
change it unless you're like that lady up in Spokane who was the fake black girl, right? Head of the NAACP, remember her? And she pretended to be black. Yeah, I, I guess some people can change race. She got busted. She was just as white as the snow. And then she, uh, you know, she permed her hair and she tanned her face. What a, what a phony! Right? You can't change your race. Can't change your gender. I don't care what the left says. If you're a man, you're a man. You're a woman, you're a woman. Sometimes you're gay. Sometimes you're straight. Whatever. It's not me. Listen, I can decide who I want to be friends with, who I want to spend my time with. God judges their soul, not me. I'm way too busy. I have way too much on my plate to worry about your soul. That's God's job. I worry about me, mine, my family. Okay, I get it. But if you're going to run around and start start saying race this job and race this police officer killed and race... Uh, well, then what about the other side? How many police officers have been assaulted by male blacks? Oh, you want to start that statistic? Do you see where I'm going? I want you to be intellectually honest because moving forward, that is the only way you're going to find any kind of solution to the, to the social turmoil. Why does the left want so many lower income people here? Because that's what they are, right? I mean, you don't expect someone who came across the border illegally to be the next nuclear scientist. Now, maybe their children will. Okay, I get it. Cure to cancer is not going to be found by the four foot six lady Mayan with two kids climbing over the border. It's not going to happen. But what will they do? How quickly can the left get them social security numbers? How quickly can the left get them to put money into the social security system, the workers' comp system, the unemployment system for both the state of California and the United States, the whole system. You have to think top, bottom, bottom, top. Here's what I mean by that. Forget the, the left wing, you know, Clinton, Obama, start from the bottom up, top. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Think financially for a second. If you make $10,000 a year from a legitimate job, I don't care, fast food, whatever, where they, they t withhold taxes. 100% of that 10,000 is subject to payroll tax. Workers' comp, social security, disability, state unemployment, 100% of it. If you make 10,000 a year, zero income tax. You make 40,000 a year, 100% of it is subject to payroll tax, unemployment, which includes, that's why I say it, it includes unemployment, state disability, social security, zero of it is subject to state income tax. And almost all of it is exempt, especially if it's husband and wife, two people, or you have children or whatever, almost zero, most of the time it is zero, pays income tax. So no income tax, all of it is subject to the payroll tax. What did we deplete during COVID? Unemployment, Social Security, because people went on Social Security too soon because they didn't have a job. They're like, oh, well, I might as well start Social Security. So it messed up the whole models, right? The models said you were supposed to wait 
till 65, 66, 68. Big percentages of you were even going to wait till age 70. But when you got laid off or you couldn't work and you're 64, you're like, eh, I might as well start Social Security early. That messed up the models. That's what's requiring Social Security to, quote, go bankrupt or not have enough money to pay itself from 2034 now to 2033. Because you took it early. So what are they doing with these uh, lower wage people? Well, first of all, most of these people will never collect Social Security. Just be clear. This is what my experience has told me. 28 years in the business, maybe, maybe it's going to be different. What will they do? They put money into 401k plans and they take it out to go build a house in Mexico. They, t- they put money into the 401k. They don't care about the penalties and fees. They just want the match. Give me the free money. And then they go build a house in El Salvador or wherever they're from. Philippines. Doesn't matter. Some of them will stay here long enough to work the 10 years to actually collect Social Security in whatever country, by the way. Because you can retire and go to Europe or go to Canada, go to Mexico, Philippines, Guatemala, and collect Social Security. As long as you put in Enough when you were here working in the United States. So it's another way for the United States to give non-citizens money in a different country because they will have their Social Security check auto-deposited. And now you're 10 years and 10 minutes, all you worked in the United States... And now you're living in some village in Mexico, living like a queen on $600 a month. Social Security. Yes. The U.S. government is paying you to live like a queen in another city. Far, far away. But you see, they got to take your money for those years that you worked. I think that is a big part of it. I think that's the secret conversation that both the, the Democrats and Republicans, not the, not the principled people, because the principled people would say, it doesn't matter. We can find another solution to fix Social Security, Medicare, etc. But these folks that are working and they're making 40, 50, 60,000 a year, why do you think they raise minimum wage? When they raise minimum wage, these folks don't pay income tax. Let's be clear on that. They pay nothing in income tax. Zero. No income tax. Minimum wage. Nothing. Oh, but Eric, if it shows it, they get it all back and then some. But they all pay FICA, state disability, SDI, Social Security. They all pay that. So when the government is taking money from them, who are they ultimately taking money from? The employer. Right? Because the if I have folks that work for me, I have to pay them and I withhold some money and I send it off to the government, state and federal government. But who am I going to pull money from? How am I going to pay the social security and disability? I mean, I, I got to pay wages. Well, those, those people work for me. But I have a hamburger restaurant or a dry cleaner or a landscaping company, whatever. So guess who I take it from? The customer. The customer. The customer has to pay more money to me. They pay money to me as the owner. I take it and I give it to the employee the illegal person with a social security number. When I give them money, I take some, I have to legally, and send it to social security, state disability, workers' comp. How do you think they're trying to fill it up? 
from you, the consumer. See, you, the consumer, are the one that's going to fill back up Social Security. You, the consumer, are the one who's going to fill back up state disability and workers' comp. There are lawyers that serve the Hispanic community, the Mexican slash El Salvadorian community in, in, in Guatemala and in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, doesn't matter. And if you understood Spanish, I understand a little bit, and you can read billboards or, or flyers or, part, or benches, bus benches. You see, if you work here for two, three, four years, however long, and now you're injured, and the lawyer knows how to make sure you see the doctor that shows that you're injured. Now you're here illegally, but you got a right to work. So you're now with the Social Security. Follow me on this because this is real. It's happening right now. Then what you do is you claim harassment, fired, workers' comp, whatever. And there are lawyers poised and ready for this. And then as soon as that happens and you start to receive a paycheck for the rest of your life, whatever it might be, guess what you do? Do you stay here? Nope. Where do you go? Back to your home country where your family and your friends are and what you're familiar with. Wherever it is. Lebanon. Doesn't matter. Syria. Northern Africa. Whatever. That's the game. It's the game that has been played for at least 25 years, 30 years that I know of. But what is this new thing about China? What kind of asylum? How many countries does China have, Chinese uh, men have to get through to come here and claim, quote, asylum? That we, and, and by the way, we'll never see these people again. They disappear into the fabric of America. It's huge. It's easy to disappear. Very easy. Drive Uber. You could you can disappear in a minute. That's new. You see, these men, I don't think, are here for the same game that the Filipino, Hispanic, Lebanese, Mexican, whatever. Uh, that some, not all, some have played for years. Oh, you're a racist. Well, that that doesn't hold anymore. You guys remember? That word's come and gone. We got to figure something else out. Child sex traffic. Oh, that's the evil one now. That's the evil one. How do we shut you up? Well, we used to call you a bigot. Right? We used to call the bigot. bigot. <laughs> now, now racist. We got to do racist. Everybody's a racist. Racist, racist, racist. <laughs> Even though the funniest thing, if there is anything funny about racism, if there is, it's that the left engages in it at the same moment in time that they're saying you do. And they, real, they, they take an evil, ugly word and the, and the things that go with it and dilute it down into not meaning anything anymore. That's what bothers me about this part of the conversation. It was so dirty and evil to be a racist. Now, not if you came from a bigoted family in the South. Not if you came from a Democrat family in the North. Many of them were racist from the word go. Right? The civil rights movement was a Republican movement. You know that. It was the Democrats they were fighting against. Don't believe me? Go through PragerU or any other place. It was the Democrats that were the slave owners. It was the uh, black uh, biggest slaveholder in the history of the United States, a female black out of New Orleans. Hundreds of slaves, maybe thousands. 
one of the top, I think out of the top 10, there must have been three or four male blacks. Because it wasn't, it isn't about race. It is about economics. Irish people were were uh, indentured servitude, basically racist, uh, sorry, uh, uh, slaves, made to work, white, Irish, in the North, well after slavery was, quote, abolished. Why? Because they were poor, they were hungry, they were ignorant, and they came to this country. And so... People took advantage of them. Does that sound familiar? We can keep you distracted, blaming everybody's a racist. Black History Month this. Asian Month that. Gay rights this. Let's just start putting people in their own little categories. How, how, I got an idea. How about we just say you're American? You're an American. Right? A, a young lady that, that kind of helps out with uh, the nail place my wife goes to, right? We kind of took her under our wings. She was probably 17, 19, finished high school, went to community college, started asking, you know, how do I do this? What do I do here? I want to be an engineer. What? Yeah, I want to be an engineer. Fantastic. I couldn't get past, I don't know, calculus two or whatever it was, one of those. She says, oh, I love math. I love engineering. I love physics and science. Fantastic. So we coached her. She's now at one of the top universities. I won't tell you where, but one of the top universities. I'm always honored to improve her English. Don't speak Vietnamese to anybody, right? Every day I want you to learn English, listen to American radio, American television. Just keep going. Ready for this? She said, Arif, everybody else in the community, when I, when I went to this school, they were saying, you should join the Asian American Association, and you should join this Asian, and you should join this Asian. And she said, whoa, 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 I'm an American. They said, you are? She said, yep, because she just got her citizenship. You see, she did it the right way. They had to wait in line. It took them a long time to come. She was a little kid when they applied. And today... Why is this so special? Because there's nothing more proud that she does or has than being an American citizen. Her English is getting better every day. It's not, you can communicate. It's a big deal. I just want her to be great at things. My point is, she's not most proud of being an Asian that went to school. Oh, oh yeah, look at, look at what I can't control. But what can she control? Applying for citizenship. What can she control? Studying for the next exam. What can she control? Getting into that university. Wanting to contribute to American society. And what can she control? Are ready for this? You need to be a part of it. She can control pushing away the desire all of us have to default to the weak part of who we are, which is let's just go back to be, be a part of the group that we look like. You see, that's weakness. Economically, will she change her financial life? Absolutely, she will. Economically, will she be the, the first person in her family and generations to not just graduate with a bachelor's degree, but probably to make a six-figure income? Probably. Will, will she be somebody to contribute to the society so that people, and yes, including racists, 
are going to drive over bridges or, or live in buildings or whatever she chooses to do. And will anybody ever ask, oh yeah, uh, before I drive across this bridge, can you please tell me what was the DEI score of the company that built the bridge? And besides that, you know, the engineers, were any of them, you know, black or Asian or... Did you have a percentage of gay engineers that built this bridge? I just want to know that because my family's going to be driving over it this week. Do you really care? You see, when it comes down to it, you don't care about that stuff. But if you can be, well, if you can pretend to be socially involved and, and, and caring and just get a part of that group and then forget that they're taking money from you left and right, I just illustrated minimum wage workers, illegal work. Yeah. Yeah. The illegal aliens, they are being used to fill the coffers of the same place. The Democrats use to buy off votes in 2020 and 2022. So they're using illegals to fill back up those coffers so they can spend that money all over again. Instead of going along and saying, Hey, listen, I know that we, instead of having 30 people, make 25,000 a year. How about we have 10 that do really well and let's say they each make 75,000 a year. I know you're not going to change the world on 75 grand a year, but it's an amazing start. Oh, wait a second. Now they pay income tax. And now they start caring about where the government's spending the money because they pay income tax. Now they they are caring a little bit more because they're buying things and now Sales tax matters to them. And now, wait a second. Now they're actually buying a car that that they look at the car registration and the vehicle licensing fee and all the other baloney that goes with it. Right? I mean, you understand that. When when you drive a a beat-up car from, whatever, 25 years ago, it's nice. It gets you around. But you're not going to care about car registration. It's irrelevant, basically. 100 bucks. 50 bucks. But when you buy a nicer car because you make 75000 a year, guess what you care about now? Vehicle licensing and registration. You see, what they don't want, what the left doesn't want, is 10 people that make seventy five grand a year fighting back and going, whoa, 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 let's question some of these things because now I'm paying income tax. Before I didn't. They just prefer, prefer that they get 25 people making 10, 15,000, 20,000. We're going to keep you poor. You need us. Get your wick, chap, chiff, champ, whatever. Let's get your free this, free that, free this. And you're a victim because you're short, because you're tall, because you're Asian, because you're dark, because you don't speak English very well. You're light. Whatever it is, we, you're a victim. Imagine that. You get to stand up. Stay with me after the break. I have your emails. And I want to finish up this thought, too, because I have a couple things I'm going to finish up with. But your emails also after the break. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Grab your pen and paper. I'll tell you that again when we come back after the break. 888-99-RETIRE. That's who we are. For some, we're part of your money in a safe place. Maybe where your values are aligned as well. Be with me after the break. Arif Hallaby on AM870, The Answer. Stay there. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. 
security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial hey, welcome back to the show, Arab Halabi. So I am. Total financial hour. Second hour of the show. I appreciate you being here. Uh, listen, this hour is about you. It's about your radio uh, listening and response to emails. So I appreciate that. Arif, this is your email address, Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions, TFS Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, dot com. All right. Our phone number is 888-997-3847, 888-997-3847. Three eight four seven. I told uh, one of you sent me an email. Hey, Eric, you say the phone number so fast. You know we're all, we're older folks. We can't write it down. Uh, I listened and I went. You know what? You're right. It doesn't matter how old you are. I'm in my fifties and I still couldn't write it down as fast. So I'm always committed to to at least giving it to you once, slowly, um, and then of course the fast part is just to remind you the number. Okay. Here, here's a big part of uh, the show that I think you guys need to pay attention to because sometimes you'll say, well, Eric, you, you spend a lot of time on the race thing because I think it is the most dishonest approach we have done in a very long time. Meaning if I can distract you with race, if I can say just like a magician, which is what the left wing is very good at, hey, look over here, nothing up my sleeve. Look at this little bunny rabbit. And then the right hand is pickpocketing your money and making somebody like D.A. Bragg, right, a multi-multi-millionaire in New York. What the heck? He's a D.A. How is he worth millions? Reports are he's worth tens of millions of dollars. How in the daylights did that happen? He's a public servant. Did he win the lotto? You follow me? Oh, I can pickpocket your money through Ukraine. Don't be educated. Soon as you start bringing up your mind, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Oh, racist. As soon as that congressman goes and pulls the, the fire alarm because what he's doing is trying to delay a vote, and you say, but dude, you were a principal. And you pulled the fire alarm, and we now have camera pictures of you, and you're trying to say you thought it opened a door. Did... Racist. Racist. You see, anytime you question their immoral or unethical or illegal behavior or some of their ill-gotten gains, sexist, racist, racist, sexist. Diane Feinstein's husband took a hundred, the first check, a hundred million dollars from the train to nowhere, the, 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 the train that they're trying to dig high-speed rail. And by the way, it will never be high speed. I just want you to know there, there isn't enough straightaway. We're not a flat place here in Southern California. We're a group of valleys, right? Instead of taking a cookie sheet like we are in the Midwest or in most of Tokyo or Japan, take a cookie sheet. We are a bunch of bowls. Take take bowls like, like you would have cereal in and put them next to each other. Tell me how you're going to find a place there to go high speed. Oh, Arifo, you're not an engineer. You're darn right I'm not. It's just common sense. There's, this show is about two things, math 
and logic. And anything that falls in between those, where one or both of those are present, poof, we'll cover it. We'll cover it. Math and logic. It's not about your feelings. I love your feelings, but I'm not married to you. I care about my wife's feelings, my children, my parents, my sisters. I care about their feelings. Yours, I don't. I don't mean as a person, oh, you hurt my feelings. No, come on now. Different. If I'm a financial professional, I have to care about math. If I'm a policymaker, I have to care about logic. How does the math and logic impact? Oh, but Eric, I feel like we should have things for homeless people. There's nothing wrong. That's your feelings. I can't say they're right or wrong. I'm just not going to act on it. Because what you're mentioning or what you want to do is not logical. It's an example, but you get the idea. Oh, Eric, I think we should... Uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, asylum. Got it. It's not logical. Asylum says go to the next closest, safest place. Mexico is full of safety. I wouldn't live there. But there's millions, millions, tens of millions of people who live very comfortably there, who disagree with this, who disagree with that. It's not an asylum. It's not like you were uh, Lech Valenza from the Polish Solidarity Movement, the union that was trying to unionize people and the government was after you. Of course you would seek political asylum. But you're just here for for more money and more jobs. So you can send your social security check back to Mexico or, or Guatemala or the Philippines or Lebanon. That's it. Oh, some of them are going to make a good life here. Some of them will. You are so darn right. And maybe the third generation will find the cure to cancer. You're darn right that might happen. Psst, psst. Come here legally. You can do it. Hundreds of millions of people have migrated legally to countries all around the world. You can do it too. Oh, but it's a broken immigration system. Got it. Okay, fix it. Put up a wall. Have a guest worker program. I'm good with that. Guest worker program they put into something that's like Social Security, but they don't receive a benefit. You, you, you don't receive the benefit. You put into the pot so that everybody else wins. Eric, that's not fair. Yes, it is. Here's why. You're not going to stay here and spend your money. You're not a citizen. You didn't have any roots here. You're not staying here. You're a guest worker. Yeah, you, you'll be covered by workers' comp, and you should be because that's, that's the right thing to do. Remember logic. What's right, what's wrong. Not fair. And, and listen, right and wrong, you, you pick. I choose the Bible and the Constitution in that order. Of course, the Bill of Rights is part of the Constitution. You can choose the Koran, the Torah, and the Constitution. No problem. But I'm an American of Lebanese descent. Like you should be an American of Mexican descent. An American of Filipino descent. An American of Australian. You, you get it? You're not an Australian-American. Ronald Reagan had it, an amazing, and the man was a great communicator. And that's what he said. Listen, you're an American of Arab descent. I'm good with that. Shows the strength that we all came from somewhere. I get it. I think that's powerful. What matters is the financial literacy. That's why they're trying to distract you guys. It is not race.
It is not religion, right? Every time they do something, these, these criminal thugs leave Gaza. They stole all the money, the billions with the B, billions of dollars. And the leaders live in Qatar and Dubai and United Arab Emirates. They live in, in the Gulf states, the wealthiest Gulf states, live like kings. They stole the money for the, there's no fresh water. They stole the money. Israel provided concrete and steel for free. And instead of building buildings and schools and hospitals, they built tunnels to hold hostages and run command and control. For, even remove the word Israel in Gaza and say side A and side B. You have the, the West Bank run by a different group. Whoa, they're still Palestinian. Oh, guess what? They're actually living a pretty good life. Hamas decided to run their organization. Uh, a decided to run their organization differently and go in and hurt people. Do you see what I'm saying? So all this is math, logic, distraction. Go back to the beginning. Does it make sense to give money to Gaza? They're not going to give it to the people. Does it make sense to give money to Ukraine? The amount of Ukrainian families that are wealthier, whatever, the top 30%, I think it was, that fled and bought with cash money. Ready for this? Cash dollars. They bought the real estate up and around Montenegro and Croatia, Serbia. Beautiful villas on the water with your money. That's why the left keeps saying it's about bullets. It's not about bullets. They gave them cash. They could have solved this a long time ago. It's about distraction. Make it about race. It's too bad the Ukrainians aren't darker colored. Right? If they were, I don't know. Oh, wait, Yemenis. Yeah, but we don't like them because they're blowing up stuff. You see, Yemen is, is an Arab and, and, and African type mix. Hmm. It's too bad there. They're blowing up American ships. Otherwise, we'd feel sorry for... Listen, what was that what was that movie? Remember that movie that was out? And they said, we're, we're struggling. We're a small country. I know what we're going to do. We're going to declare war on America. And then immediately, we will sue for peace or, or surrender. And then they will come and give us all this money. Remember that? I don't recall the movie. Some of you movie buffs know it already. I'll look it up a little later. I thought it was fascinating. I was like, no, that's not what we would do. And then you look in the historic records and you're like, hmm, it's kind of what we've done, right? So in uh, Germany, we ended up rebuilding. All right, let's go back here. I want to give you your, the email. This is important because this is what most, if not many of you are going through. Okay, many of you. Dear, I'm 64 years old and I plan on working as long as I can, maybe even the rest of my life or at least as long as I'm healthy enough to work. I'm not sure when or if I should start Social Security. My wife is 63. Okay, so 64 and 63. My wife is 63, and she was a homemaker most of our marriage. We have three amazing, well-balanced kids. That's nice. They have great careers, and they don't need any money from us. I have 
I have about $220,000 saved between three accounts. Two of them are old 401ks and one of them is an IRA. We would like to ensure that our three children can inherit our home and what's left over from our retirement accounts. So here's the question. Should I put all of it into annuities? That's one question. I'm concerned about the stock market falling and uh, when I need the money the most. All right. So here's a couple of, of ways to solve this. You guys get the idea, right? Husband and wife, they're in their 60s. Uh, they're, they're working on trying to decide when they should retire. In his case, it doesn't seem like he wants to. And probably financially, I'm guessing, because 220000 when you're in your 60s uh, probably isn't enough to live on. Although Social Security could be enough. There's some things you can do. Some people move, right? So there's some options. It's not, it's not a lost cause whatsoever. Three children, chances are they have grandchildren. He didn't mention that. If they do, you're going to want to be close to your grandchildren, at least close enough to visit, especially in those early years. So here's my solution. The annuity should be whatever income you need the most. In other words, we should solve backwards. If the purpose of your retirement money is to create an income stream, which is what it is, because that's why the government gave it to you as far as tax benefits, then what you need to do is to look at your retirement uh, income needs and solve backwards. Here's a good example. He's 64 years old. She is 63. Let's just say he's going to work six more years, all right, till he's 70. Now, the short answer is I probably would have her turn on Social Security as soon as possible. So as soon as she can turn it on, I would have her turn it on. All right, why? Because in her case, when the when the younger of the two, sorry, the lower of the two social security checks, when one of you dies, you lose the lower of the two social security checks. But there's more that happens. So you have both receiving social security. One of you is lower, even a lot lower in some cases. When that happens, we lose the lower of the two social security checks and just receive the higher one. But the next year you are taxed as a, as single filing single, not married filing jointly. Right? So in other words, your income tax rates almost double between now and what's going to happen after 2026, 27 when rates double anyway. So you're getting a, a nearly 50% increase in income taxes, not quite, but almost. So not only are we losing money, but we're paying more in taxes. That's a big deal. So I need to solve for that delta, for that difference. So what would I do? I would use the annuities to fill that bucket, right? I would use the annuities to kind of solve backwards for that number. And if we said at age 70, great, I would have him wait until age 70 to start his social security check. I'd have her start it as soon as she's eligible. You have to go to Social Security office and ask them. What's the taxation of it? You're going to meet with your CPA, your tax preparer. Always do that. Should you put all of it in annuities or, or in the stock market? You have to decide. If you have money that you're willing to take a risk on for retirement, in other words, we have answered the income question and you say, but I'm still working. Everything is great. Fine. Sometimes people don't make it from 64 to 70 years old. 
So if your wife might need the money or you might need the money to live on, because if you become a widower at 66 and she passes away, it happens. A lot of women are dying now. Um, we're, we're getting a greater amount of men that have lost their wives than just the typical he dies sooner, right? Most people think that the man is going to pass earlier because statistically that's what used to happen. Today, my my anecdotal evidence, what I'm seeing is that those ratios are starting to change a bit. I'm seeing men, even older men, losing their wives at a younger age for various reasons, cancer and, and disease and other things, all right? So is your head going to be on straight to go back to work at 66 years old for the next four years if your wife passes in a couple of years? I, I don't know. You might be a great employee now and very productive and a and high income earner and all those things are wonderful. But you're not going to be thinking straight when you become a widower. Maybe you have to. Some do if they have minor children. I've seen that. I've seen people pick themselves up and, you know, hide and delay the feelings and bury the feelings. And there's all sorts of things. But they, they come out eventually, just so you know. Some of you men are doing it now. Some of you women are doing it now. You're bearing sooner or later they come out. The longer they wait, the more they explode. Please deal with it sooner rather than later. All right? I, I, just, my, just my observation. I deal with folks on a regular basis, over 100 a month that come through my office. I just want you to take care of yourself. All right. Here's the other thing. Think about this. The taxation of Social Security. So if you're... If you're going to be, if she, let's say your wife turns on Social Security at a young age, um, meaning prior to age 70, or even prior to her full retirement age. Okay, so if she is 63 and she starts Social Security in the next year or so, or whenever, but she is not 66 or 67, it should be 67 right about that for her, then I will tell you what will happen. Here's, here, here's what it is, really. She can only make about 20000 a year. So if she's not working, great, no problem. But if she is working and you make more than 20000 a year, they will, you can call it whatever you want, penalize you for Social Security. They'll take some of the money back from Social Security for $2 for every one, uh, $1 for every $2 that you make above right around 20000 a year. But it doesn't disappear. The money doesn't just go back into to pay the illegal immigrants and illegal aliens. What it does is it goes back into a pot and pays you a little bit more later. So you get some of it back. I mean, you could live long enough to get it all back. But they're doing all sorts of sleight of hand things right now to try to adjust these numbers so that they can find a way to solve for the illegal immigrant costs. Right? The Biden administration did this on purpose. They think they're doing it for... I will bet you if, if the Republican Party can figure out how to culturally go after, meaning from a vote standpoint, to be able to, to earn their vote. When the Democrats say, and all you guys are now voters, and the Republicans come in and say, great, here are the people that want these cultural things, these social things, and they're trying to hurt you. In fact, Facebook and Amazon and all those wealthy business owners those are all Democrats. 
the Republicans can flip this around. Right? Everybody keeps thinking that this is a done deal, that all these poor people are going to vote for Democrats. I don't think so. I think there's a way around it. The President Trump figured it out. But I'll put that aside for a second. Okay, so here's what you guys do, right? Just remember, her full retirement age is 67. If she's going to have earned income above 20000 a year, you can't or shouldn't really turn it on. You check with your CPA and decide. Okay, so here's the other part. How do I make sure that, uh, or, or basically you want to leave over money, your house for sure, but, but leave over whatever's left to the kids. Here's how I would do it. Number one is the kids will receive the house tax-free. All right, three children, house is tax-free. Regardless of where they are personally, financially, it doesn't matter. One could be a millionaire, one could be on welfare. They receive the house to them tax-free. You bought it for 60000 for 260000 it doesn't matter. You sell it for $2 million, they get it all tax-free. That's real estate. All right, what about the IRAs and the 401ks? Well, statistically, you and your wife are probably going to live 25 years, at least one of you. So I'm hopeful that nothing will be left there, and you'll be just living on the, the payments for the rest of your life. I want you to have all that money for you, and your kids get none of it. Because the kids are going to have to pay about half of it in taxes, just about between state and federal taxes, depending on where they live. It definitely will affect their other income. You see, some of you don't realize this. When you inherit an IRA or a 401k from somebody, remember this. The money that I earn, if I, pull, if I inherit that money in October, November, and I declare it and I withdraw it and declare it as income, the money that I made January, February, all of that money is taxed at a much higher rate. So the money that I worked for, I have to pay more taxes on it. So, yes, I get the money that was never mine to begin with. It, it, you know, it's it's an inheritance. But I just want you to understand that if that is your main source of passing on money to your next generation, just understand they're only going to get about half of it. Life insurance, tax-free. Stock market accounts that are not under the IRA, 401k world, tax-free. Real estate, tax-free. Okay, very powerful. Why do you think wealthy people leave real estate, life insurance, and stock market accounts to their next generation? Because guess who makes the rules? Rich or poor people? Think about it for just a minute. Yes, you're right. Why do you think rich people may not put their same money that they require for retirement income in the stock market? They want you to because you push up the value of the non-stock market, sorry, non-IRA, non-401k money, right? If they just put $100,000 in a stock, mutual fund, bond, whatever, and the market goes up, I get all that. My heirs can get all that either tax-free or very, very low tax called capital gains. So just consider this, right? Each dollar has a job to do. And then finally this, before we take a break and then come back after the, after the bottom of the hour, but here's the, this is important. I would not treat all three kids the same. If one of them is really good with money, they don't need the money, that's the one who receives the money. You understand that? You don't give money to somebody who's struggling. Oh, my daughter just can't seem to get off the ground or she keeps struggling with relationships. and Forget it. You don't get money. Or if you do, I give you just a payment. 
I hire a, an attorney or, or a trustee at a bank, a professional trustee, and their job is to pay you out monthly. It could be paying you out quarterly, monthly. It could be just giving you a little bit every year. It could be like a friend of mine who has two kids, and he says each one of them have to bring their 1099s, their W-2s, basically their tax forms, to the accountant or to the attorney, rather, each year. Because let's say he has $200 million. You don't give $100 million to one hundred. They'll, they'll blow it. Now, one of them is a lot better with money than the other. No question about it. So why would you give the one who can't manage their own money, the 50000 or 100000 between the two, husband and wife, why would you give them a million dollars when they can't even manage fifty or a hundred thousand? So you, it's okay to treat the kids different financially based on that. Now, listen, you can change the trust later on. We can do that. No problem. All right. Just don't treat them the same. Love them the same. Don't treat them financially the same. I know that's hard. Stay with me after the break. More your questions. Triple eight ninety nine retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I'm Eric Hallaby. More of your emails when we come back on the Total Financial Hour on AM eight seventy. The answer. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total Hey, welcome back to the show. Arab Halabi. Triple eight ninety nine retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. It's our phone number. It's a way to get a hold of us. Hey, I wanted to uh, touch base on uh, hydrological issues. <laughs> I heard that. I'm sorry. Uh, look, part of why I, I I think why we have a successful show, I think it's what you guys tell us anyway, is my goal is to take difficult or complicated financial issues that are very familiar to me and others, professionals in our industry, and to make it simple, easy to understand. To make it clear so that you don't feel like a dummy because all of us, right? You try to explain to me plumbing. I'm going to feel like a dummy in 15 seconds. I don't understand everything. I know when I push this button or when I, you know, flush this, this works. It doesn't work. Turn this handle, turn that. But when you tell me all the details of pressure and and venting and I'm like, I don't understand. Sorry. Right? So what's the goal at the end of the story between, well, when I started last hour, it was simple. My goal is to not be that person who uses big words. Be impressed with me. I'm smart. You're not. Invest with us. Give us your money. Plan for retirement. Blah, blah, blah. Why would somebody say that? I, I think because, look, there's all sorts of reasons. Sometimes they just think that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, I mean you don't even have to get really deep psychologically into it. Sometimes they don't believe their, their success is as, uh, I, I guess, clear to you. So I have to tell you how smart I am, right? There's a, a, a big podcaster who says, listen, if you lead with your education, you're probably an, an, and he, he says the A word, right? Probably an A. Uh, what? 
Yeah. It, Hi, this is a PhD with an MBA, and and uh, you go, but what? Who cares? You're, you're not coming to me to get another college degree, right? So if you lead with that, you're probably a jerk. Is basically what he's saying. And I can understand that because it means that you're so. You, now, listen, if you're in academic circles, I get it. But if you're so caught up in titles and brands and big words and jargon, it's only to make you feel worse so that I can feel better. It doesn't have anything to do with explaining the issue. If I'm in a room at a conference or a convention with a bunch of financial advisors, financial professionals, insurance professionals, I'm going to use big words. They get it. But that's not this venue or most venues. It's not my office when you come in. You come in and you need financial help. We keep it simple, easy to understand. That's the goal. And sometimes we, we tell people, listen, there's, you're great at what you do, but you want to know so much about so many things. Well, there, what's the uh, Black-Scholes model used in the overall? I go, listen, I'll tell you what. You go home and you research the daylights out of that. You go read books, go online, you look on the internet, you go figure all that out, and then you come back. And if there's something that fits what we do, I can help you. Wonderful. Sometimes people just want that confusion. I'm not sure why. That's not for you, though. Here's something that matters a lot. Ready for this? There are some times, and here, again, it's a trend that I'm seeing, and the trend I'm seeing is a lot of single women that never had children, that focused on their career. Some of them never even married or married very short period of time and just never had kids. And so now they're older in life. They, they're financially successful because, well, they didn't have a husband or, or a spouse that was taken. They didn't have kids that cost money, right? If I tell you what we spend on our kids' education, it would drive you crazy. Most of us with kids have to spend money on something. They're not cheap. So when you don't have those two things and you can focus on your career, nobody cares if you're working late or coming, picking up a second job or, or going back to school to get a little bit more education. Nobody uh, pushes back on that and, and says, where, what about me, my feelings? So there's some pros and cons to both sides of it, of course. But what I'm noticing is a lot of women are professionals in their 60s and 70s, never married, some of them in their 80s, from school teachers to nurses executives, it doesn't matter, all sorts of career fields. And so th this is an email from one of them, and I want to share that with you because I think it's starting to apply to more and more people. Here it is. Dear Arif, I'm a 69-year-old single woman who is never married. I am a nurse practitioner for a large hospital in Southern California. I have three rental properties that I have bought over the years, and the rents are almost all free and clear. After taxes and insurance, I keep around $10,000 a month. My personal home is also paid off. I have about $2 million saved between retirement accounts. My savings account, oh, oh, between my retirement accounts, my savings account, and an inheritance that I recently received from my mother. I want to keep working part-time, maybe two to five times a month, but I don't need the money, but I want to keep my skills up. I would like to travel and enjoy life, but I'm pretty confident I will not spend all my money before I die. How do I choose a beneficiary? And how will I know how much I can spend each month? I'm, I am currently waiting to start Social Security until age 70, which is about 10 more months from now. All right. All right. So you guys hear that? 
basically, in a summary, we have a couple of things. Number one, a 69-year-old single lady. So we have just her Social Security, her income, her expenses to worry about. The other part of it that I think you should understand uh, is what she keeps from her rental properties, which is $10,000 a month. Now, this is a little bit different because the rental properties, that's $120,000 a year. That's probably taxed as, as full income. Uh, there might be some depreciation still left, which means you can get a tax write-off when you buy real estate. So you, they give you a little bit of a discount with the money that you make. In her particular case, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to a, a certified public accountant, CPA, a good tax advisor, fine, but a CPA. And here's my caution. If you're somebody that owns especially more than one rental property, but any rental property, or you're somebody that owns a business, right? I want you to have a CPA that also owns rental property personally or owns a business personally. Oh, but my CPA has been doing this for 30 years. How you will know you have the wrong CPA, and this is, I know some of my CPA listeners are going to be mad, but they will say things when you, when you say, isn't there any way I can get any more write-off? And then the CPA turns around and says, or the tax preparer, you're bringing in 120000 a year. Just buck it up and pay those taxes. You should just be happy. You should be grateful, paying a little bit of tax, right? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you work for the IRS? Because I'm, I'm trying to save. I pay a lot of taxes, Mr. or Mrs. CPA. I just want a discount somewhere. So my point is your CPA should be on your side in finding all legal options, reductions, whatever it is that you can take uh, on your on your income and not be somebody who makes you feel bad because you're asking for somebody to work a little harder. If they have their own rental property, then that's more than just a professional uh, interest in finding the deductions and whatever the everybody does, whatever the mainstream, whatever the latest TikTok video. I don't know. They don't use TikTok, but you get the idea. I want somebody who cares about this stuff because personally, their own money is at stake. So they're less likely to say, oh, I want to give even more to the government. Great. Why don't you just go ahead and write them a check? They'll take it. Okay. So just a word of caution. If you can find a, a professional in your life that is supposed to be advising you on something make sure that at the same time they also have it to you know lose as well all right two million dollars saved between retirement accounts savings checking and inheritance those are all taxed differently again what we do is meet with you and your cpa sometimes it's on zoom it's a phone call or it's in person and our job is to find a way to defer some of the taxes on it maybe to push it out a little ways maybe even to create if you will an income stream in a very tax-efficient manner, right? I'm not a CPA, but we are a tax advisor on some level because we work with Roth IRAs and deductions and, and um, Social Security. And I mean, right, there's some conversation there, but depending on where you are, how much do I need? How much do I need to... I love working with other professionals. They should have no problem w with working with other professionals. Any financial professional in your life, CPA, tax advisor, tax preparer, stockbroker, financial advisor, uh, annuity, insurance, car insurance, anybody should be willing to be part of a team and not be so scared that another member of the team might come and find something wrong in an area in which they're not an expert.
All right. So just kind of just a little bit of a caution. I'm starting to see that happen a little bit where some of the financial advisors will fly off the handle when we're asking about income or we're, we're trying to kind of create a strategy for somebody. And you're, whoa, 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 back up. This is still your area of expertise is stock bond mutual fund. That's fine. We're talking about over here a completely different world. Right? So there's some insecurity that happens. That's kind of what I'm talking about. All right. Number one, here's what I want. By the way, her name is Christy. So Christy, here's what I'm looking to do. I want you to have two things happening. Number one, you need a living trust, a revocable living trust, not done by somebody who does divorces on Thursday and car accidents on Monday. Oh, you're, you're in luck. Today's Wednesday. I'm doing your living trust. I don't want you to do it from your union. Oh, my union says that we can, for $480, we get a living trust prepared because of it. You can, but Christy, you're not that person. You're not a husband, wife with two kids, one house that they live in for 22 years. No, no, no. This is different. You need somebody who is an expert at this. And yes, you will probably pay $3,000 or so, $2,500, $3,000. I know that's a lot of money. I understand but it is well worth it because you have so many different statuses of money. Some of you have, I have a condo before I was married. It's under my name. I have a, a house that me and my spouse bought after we were married. It's in our name, right? My name, our name. I have my retirement accounts before we were married. I have my retirement accounts after, right? You have his, hers, ours, theirs, inherited. Not There's a lot of moving parts. So a, a good financial team professional, number one, should understand that those are different statuses. Okay. I want you to have a living trust where the successor trustee is somebody that understands your wishes. Successor trustee, Christy, you pass away. Somebody continues to manage the, the, the trust, the assets. Here's what I'm concerned about and what I have seen personally in my office three times now. And it's all the same organization. I won't share what organization, but it's all the same organization. Uh, do not, in your living trust, put organizations as beneficiaries with percentages. Meaning, I want my son to receive half, my daughter to receive 25%, and the other 25% to go to charity X. No. Why? Because charity... X receives a percentage and three times now, the same organization, probably in the last 15 years now, will fight on the valuation. Hey, you should have sold the house for more money because I receive a percentage of that money. You sold it too soon. You sold it at a discount. You sold it to your friend. I want more money. And this organization who is just getting free money will stand up and fight. And I'm like, wait a second. You're getting, this is an, an inheritance. You're getting all this money. Yes, but instead of 25% of 500,000, we should have got uh, weighted and held out because 600,000 is what that property was worth. And I want 25% of 600,000. Okay, so how do you solve that, Christy? You do a couple of things, guys. First of all, I want you to just put dollar figures. And you can revise it every year. If your estate goes up in value or down in value, you can go up or down in how much that charity receives. 
So instead of the charity receiving 25% of 500000 for example, $125,000, you say, hey, charity, you receive 125000 Now, three years from now, if your estate is worth more, then you can, with one amendment, go in, make adjustments, and say, now you receive 150000 Charity X. If it goes down, if you sold things off, you just it's it takes fifteen minutes only because five minutes of talking, hey, how are you? How's the family? Right? It's a notarized amendment, goes into your trust. Your attorney should do it. I'm a certified estate planner. We can do it if you're a client of ours. We notarize for free. We just put it in. And it's done. We change. We go up, down, sideways, up, down, move, add. You can do whatever you want. As long, Think of it like musical chairs. Your revocable living trust is revocable and changeable as long as you are alive. That's the music. Music's playing. Da, 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 da. You can get up, right, the chairs. When you pass away, the music stops, and everybody has to find a chair wherever your beneficiaries are, and it's over. It now becomes irrevocable, not changeable. So you can change while you're alive, up, down, sideways. Once you pass away, it's basically locked in stone. All right? That becomes an irrevocable. Now your successor trustee, who's the person who's going to implement your wishes, distribute your money, right? That executor who's going to execute your wishes, that person needs to know what you wanted, what you meant. You can do it one of two ways. You can hold an annual meeting with them. Hi, just to review, Mary, I want this, this, and this, and this. Got it. Or, and this is more common, you lay it out in writing very, very clearly. I want this charity to get this much. I want my nephew to receive this, but only if he's not married to that son of a gun anymore. <laughs> right? You can do that. It's your trust. You can do whatever you want. I can make it so you have to wear a sandwich sign every Thursday on the corner and you'll get $100,000. No problem. But for six months, you have to wear a sandwich sign on the corner that says, you know, Trump is amazing. I don't know. You can do whatever you want. It's your money. Nobody has to do the other side of it. They're not entitled to it just because they were born. You can make it so that they have to do almost anything, obviously, within the law. All right. So why I want you to consider some of the charities that the, doing it this way is because of this. Here's what I have found. And it's, th it's that in this period of time of your life, you have gone through and been a part of a lot of organizations, right? You've been a part of a lot of charities, probably. So volunteer. Now that you're working two to five times a month, I get it to keep your license up and running and stay busy. You make a little money. That's fine. Stay involved. Stay, stay uh, relevant. But spend time volunteering, but don't tell those charities that you're going to give them money. Don't tell them that they're on the list, the short list, any list. You just volunteer. See how they spend their money. See how the executive director. Now, the executive director is basically the president of the nonprofit. I want you to know that. That's how it works. All right? Very important. I don't want you to let them know any kind of hint because I want you to see their true colors. All right, very important. 
Secondarily, and this is important as we go through this, I want you to also keep in mind that if you are going to give them money, you can spread it out a little bit now, a little bit later. You see, the successor trustee, the executor, you can put a provision to pay them. Because they're going to receive these three rental properties plus your primary, that's four houses. Figure by the time you pass away, Christy, I don't know, $4 million plus or minus. Tax-free, by the way, $4 million. Plus $2 million, some of it is inherited. Some I expect you or I want you to spend it down to nothing and start Social Security as soon as you can. It's fine if you want to wait till age 70. I wouldn't. Right? You're past the full retirement age. Get your Social Security now. And spend your money. You're the youngest and healthiest you will probably ever be. So travel. Be involved. If your heart leads you, Christy, to Doctors Without Borders, right, where you can go and fly into Haiti and do cleft palate repair, we're, we're part of or we, we give to an organization where I know somebody personally who's involved and we help with certain heart surgeries. And it's less expensive sometimes to fly the entire medical team to that location to do certain types of heart repair or cleft palate repair than it is to fly the kids here. Sometimes it's less expensive to fly the children here. Right? I, I don't look for any accolades or, or any awards. I mean, it's nice. They say thank you, and I, you get a little certificate. I appreciate that. But what's most important is my food, shelter, clothing is cared for. My children are healthy and strong. They all are okay. Well, there's a little bit of money left over. Find a nice place to donate it. And you can do the same thing. You're strong. You're healthy. You have your, your expenses paid for. I would take what portion in an annuity? Probably just your IRAs, your 401ks, IRAs, the retirement accounts whose job is one thing and one thing only. And that is to give you income for the rest of your life. And I would delay that income until you're 73. You can do it sooner if you wanted, but delay it till 73. Why? Because the required minimum distribution where everybody has to start taking money out of their retirement accounts, about 3.7, Check with your CPA or your tax advisor, your financial professional. But it's about 3.7, 3.8%. So for example, if you have 100,000 in your IRA and you're 73 years old, based on the number that they tell you, it's probably right around $3,800. But I don't need it, Arif. Tough. But I don't want it. Tough luck. I'll cover on another show a way to, to not have it affect your, your taxes and other things. But just know that if it's retirement account, that's what should go into an annuity most of the time. There's reasons to have others. But if you have a million dollars here, a million there, 100,000 here, 100,000 there, and we're trying to solve for income later on in life, first place, first choice, retirement accounts. That goes off to the races, send that off. The best annuity with income, if that's the goal, just asset accumulation, great. They make some of those. Those are good. They're, if that's the goal, we put it there. You see, without paying any fees, you can create a great lifestyle. If you want to pay a fee, if you have a cost associated with your retirement accounts, 
I better get something for it. I don't mind eating at a great restaurant and paying more than at a hamburger restaurant. I get it. They both called a meal. But I want to receive something. If I'm paying fancy steakhouse prices, I better receive fancy steakhouse service and fancy steakhouse quality food. So I'm okay if you're going to be spending money in one place versus another. All right? Hey, I want to finish up with a couple things here. This is pretty important, guys. You've heard me talk over the last year uh, or so, maybe the last six months, I guess, about district attorney. I shared with you before that I've worked around uh, Gascon when he was a police officer. I think he was a sergeant. I should go back and check. Lousy supervisor. In fact, nobody respected him even back then, but nobody thought he would go in and poison some of the two greatest cities in the United States, San Francisco and and Los Angeles, but he has. Uh, He sold out. I think there's only one person that can fix it, period, stop. One person, and it's Deborah Archuleta. That's it. Judge Archuleta has been a judge for, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, seven seven years, proven herself over, done, already know she's fair, honest. Prior to that, a district attorney, hard, uh, hard impact, going after the bad guys, still being fair and decent when it comes to the law. I get it. I expect that. Sometimes good people make bad decisions. You need somebody who understands that. You want to fix this city? If you plan on staying here at least long enough, you have children, God forbid, grandchildren that are going to stay here. We have to put Deborah Archuleta there. She doesn't pay me for this, so I'm just telling you, I've looked at everybody. She's our only hope. Thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Show. Appreciate you being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next one next Sunday. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about